Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan as we talk about Memorial Day racing, the Coca-Cola 600 here on Talking Circles tonight. We break down the whole Coca-Cola 600, who was fast, who was great, who struggled. 16 cautions for 80 laps of the Coca-Cola 600, almost uh, 100 laps of caution flag. Who would have thought that coming from the 600? that almost a quarter of the race would have been run under the yellow condition. But that's what it was uh, with the 600 this weekend. It ended with Martin Truex Jr. in victory lane. I said it on the show last week, I believe, uh, and I'm going to say it again. I believe Truex and Cole Pern have about figured it out, everybody. I think they're they're right there to where we're going to start seeing this team perform as what we knew as the 78 team from two years ago. They're that close and they're that good, and they showed it again on Sunday night. We'll get to that. We'll also talk about Chris Buescher and a couple other drivers who had really good runs. We'll also discuss the Xfinity Series race from Charlotte Motor Speedway, uh, and we'll preview Pocono Raceway coming up uh, a doubleheader weekend, NASCAR Xfinity and NASCAR Cup Series action from the Tricky Triangle in Pocono, Pencil- and Long Pond, Pennsylvania for the Pocono Raceway. We'll preview all that here. 917-889-8280, that's the number to call. But guys, want to dive into the Coca-Cola 600 here. Uh, it was an interesting race. Like I said, 16 cautions, uh, a couple, of, uh, one big wreck that included Austin Dillon, Ty Dillon, uh, Clint Boyer, Kyle Larson, and uh, Ryan Priest towards the tail end of the race. But it, the early on, Philip, the, the factor, the, the the interesting angle of this race we were starting to see was blown tires from the Joe Gibbs camp. On lap 24, we saw Eric Jones' night come to an end. He blew right front tire, hit the outside wall. That was the end of his day. Matthew Benedetto hit the wall on lap 49. And Martin Truex Jr., the eventual winner on lap 75. And it looked like, oh boy, here come the JGR cars. They're blowing these right front tires. They had issues in the Xfinity Series race on Saturday. Denny Hamlin hit the wall twice. Uh, What was that early on in that race? Did you think Martin Truex Jr. stood a chance in it? And what about Joe Gibbs racing there with what was going on? What do you think was going on with their right fronts? I mean, the I would say other than the crappy product that they provide, uh, the, the the tire manufacturer, I think the they probably run a little too much camber. It might have been a pressure issue. That's always the go-to line by the company when uh, these blowouts happen and because they're isolated to the Toyota camp, that's probably what was going on. I mean, of course, Kyle Busch didn't have a blowout amazingly, uh, but you know, whatever, Uh, he didn't win. So it is what it is there. Truex flattened out right side out. And then once it got dark, car became pretty fast and the reality is this is the same driver and crew chief that was it three years ago let all but what eight laps or six laps of of the of the four of the six hundred, you know, same as Ernie did in the in the five hundred miler in nineteen ninety three. you know, the Joe Gibbs camp and Martin Drex, like you were saying, I think they've found their stride and I think it's gonna make it's gonna make an interesting you know, scenario between him and Kyle Busch. 
and how that dynamic is going to work as the season goes on. Because generally speaking, Kyle Busch has kind of had had it his way at JGR since Tony left in 2008. Yeah, Carl Edwards for like a minute was there for like a year, maybe a year and a half he was there. Hamlin, 2010, but since then generally has, you know, fallen off. Yeah, sure, he's won a couple of races this year, but then he follows up those wins with what he had on Sunday. Era, I think the dynamic there is going to be interesting as the season goes on and when push comes to shove, will they be able to run each other clean uh, to win Reverend Gibbs another championship? I think that dynamic is going to be quite interesting as the season goes on. Did I think Truex had a chance? It, it's 600 miles. Uh, and with all the cautions and all the crap they had going on, it, they had enough opportunities to repair the car. And so in that sense, there wasn't that many long green flag runs either. If there was a long green flag run right after he had hit the wall, I'm pretty certain he wouldn't have been able to come back the way this race usually works. But he was able to because of all the cautions. I mean, he dumped Bailey Curry and put him right in the fence, too, uh, during the race, too, and didn't care. Cried Wolf about other people being in the way, but he dumped Bailey Curry. had nothing to do with anything and destroyed a race car. You know, so it's it's typical, you know, Martin Truex, what he is now. And uh, he came back, and five laps to go, he had Joey Logano's Ford Mustang nose right up his butt, and he was able to keep that thing straight and won the race. So good on him. Third win on the season. Three three drivers of three wins right now. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. The number to call here on Talking Circle. Spencer, you were there on Sunday. Uh, what did you think of the racing? I mean, um, before we really dive into uh, who did what here, um, you know. With the 16 cautions, as, as Philip alluded to earlier, there wasn't a whole lot of long green flag runs, which is different than any uh, Coca-Cola 600 we've seen in the past. There was a 44-lap and a 43-lap run. Those are really the uh, the two biggest runs there in the middle stages of the race. But other than that, you know, we saw a 37-lap run and a 30-lap run, but that was it, really. A lot of cautions. Did you think that helped the racing at all here at, at Charlotte Motor Speedway? Yeah, honestly, you know, it's my first time being it, uh, you know, a mile and a half. I've only been to Daytona. And uh, I just got to say, you really got to respect what these guys would do. I mean, the way, I mean, when they go by, you can see them really driving those things. And it's pretty incredible what they're able to do. But, uh, I mean, for me, I think the 43-lap run is long. Uh, I feel like they got strung out very quick. Um, and my girlfriend, she's new into racing, and she's like, we kind of need to caution. It's getting a little boring. And, uh I mean, and that's coming from a new a new fan. So, um, so it got strung out, and 43 laps of nonstop cars going by you is gets kind of annoying. So, uh, yeah, I think the caution, good cautions came out. Um, weird that a lot of them happened with blown tires, but you guys have already touched on that. Um, but yeah, I thought the racing was good. I thought, uh, you know, I enjoy watching a battle on a mile and a half track way better than I do a super speedway now. That's for sure. Um, but, yeah, he got strung out. Uh, I thought the racing was good, uh, and I thought 
well, I'm sure we'll touch on it later, but I never thought there was a guy who really dominated the race. I thought there was guys that were on spur, uh, like it was Brad, and then he fell off, and then it was Kyle Busch for a little bit. He fell off. Chase came up, and then he fell off, and then after that, it was pretty much the 78. So it was good not to see one guy dominate the whole entire race. Um, but, yeah, I feel like the cautions definitely helped, or uh, it gets uh, pretty uh, pretty boring. Yeah, it was an interesting race from the standpoint, like you said, there was uh, not one driver who certainly went out and led a lot of laps, um, and we saw some green flag passes for the lead as well, which was kind of shocking to see. But, you know, if you go through this this um, th- these results here for the 600, you have Martin Truex Jr., winner, and then you mentioned Phillip earlier. Uh, Logano was second, ran a real hard race. Kyle Busch was third, a nice race for him. Chase Elliott, we saw him lead a little bit as well. He was fourth. And Stenhouse, fifth. I mean, that last restart, was kind of crazy with David Reagan out on older tires. You had Ryan Newman out on two tires. Uh, I think it sort of, you know, played with the with the running order a little bit. Um, but, you know, one of the guys we really didn't see up there a lot, he only led 14 laps, was Kevin Harvick. Uh, he was a, a top five car early in the race. But even, you know, in the middle parts of the race, and, and I know he probably got a little uh, unlucky on that final restart, but I don't think Harvick was – all that great. I mean, he finished stage one and fifth, stage two and sixth. He wasn't even in the top ten in stage three. Uh, another just a ho-hum day for Stuart Haas Racing. It's almost like, you know, you, you can look at these and say, hey, uh, look at these races and say, well, no surprise because this is what we've seen all the time. But Stuart Haas, to me, Harvick, tenth. He was the highest Stuart Haas car. Amarola really didn't do a whole lot. I expected him to do something. Uh, Boyer had issues, and Suarez finished 18th. So uh, another rough day for Stuart Haas Racing over there, uh, Philip Matthew. Yeah, it's. I mean, now we've kind of passed that point. I mean, we're, what is it, you know, we're, we're 13 races in, you know, we're, we're 12. Yeah, we're past a third of the way through the season, and Harvick, we keep on waiting. We've talked about this ad nauseum. When is he going to win? And I mean, what it proves as much as anything is how difficult it is to win in this series. Uh, You could go and state, I mean, you could state the obvious. The reality is three teams have won this year. Yeah. Penske, Gibbs and Hendrick. And that's it. And you have, the outside of that, Harvick's been the best guy. He's competitive points-wise. But when you compare it to a year ago when he'd had all these wins before he got to the 600 and all, it doesn't look great. And then when you consider that, excuse me, when you consider that SHR was at a different level, they're not, they haven't figured out this package and they aren't really on the drivers and this package don't really seem to work. Unfortunately, at the moment for fans of those drivers, the reality is they're going to have to figure it out and they have another 13 races to do so. And they're probably all going to make the playoff anyway. I don't see very many drivers outside I mean, Eric Jones right now is two points out of the cutoff. I mean, it's a pretty close cutoff. There's 15 points between 14th to 17th. 
So there might be a couple of people that are hanging out there outside of the top 16 that might be able to kind of back in. We're going to talk about Busher here soon. There, But in reality, they'll be there, but will they be there? That's the real question. Uh, I mean, Pocono could make things right. It's such a weird, interesting track. They Harvick Harvick's done well there without, you know, the kind of results that he probably deserves. Boyer's on and off there. I think Suarez, it's one of his better tracks. And then Eric Almirola is on and off there. So it's maybe maybe Pocono and Michigan, these next couple of races, will kind of get them healthy. Uh, the road course at Sonoma going back to the original the original uh, uh what do you call configuration might give SHR a chance famously and me losing my mind on the video. uh, Tony winning his last race there in the previous format or previous configuration. Maybe it'll be the place where one of the Stuart Oscars can go and get healthy. But right now it's a three, it's a two team race in terms of who's really on it. And you know, SHR is at that next level with, with, uh, uh, I guess, uh, Ganassi in terms of the next teams that haven't won. Um, and really, there's only four or five teams that are involved in terms of the playoffs at the moment. So we'll see at Pocono. Though. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out at Pocono. Uh, you know, another thing I, lo- I looked at here this week, Spencer, and, and you can attest to this because you were there uh, was, was just a couple of, of, I wouldn't say uh, back markers. I don't like to use that term, but teams that normally don't run up front that had a pretty good day. Uh, I look at Chris Busher. He bounced it off the wall too. He had some damage on that 37 car, but we've been singing his praises a lot this year. Hasn't had the finishes to back up some of his runs earlier in the year, but a sixth place run for him, a sixth place finish for him. That's a great day. Corey LaJoy. um, That's, I think, uh, go fast racing's best finish probably on a mile and a half track ever. Uh, and he was up there, you know, and I know there wasn't a lot of, a whole lot of cars a lap down because of the attrition rate. And, uh, we didn't really see cars pull away that much because we didn't have a long green flag run. So there wasn't a whole lot of cars that were falling a lap down, but, um, the joy did a great job. He finished 12th, David Reagan in 15th, you know, he got kind of screwed there at the end with not have, with having the tire limit, but he had a pretty good day as well. Was in the top 15 for most of the day. Uh, so three guys there who don't normally run up front. That was a nice sight to see there, Spencer. Um, the, those three guys really stand out above the rest. Yeah, it was. You always want to see, you know, like you said, the smaller teams run up front and do well. Uh, mixes it up a little bit. That way you're not seeing the same names run up front constantly week after week. So um, for those guys, that's big for their team, especially Busher. You know, he's somewhat close of making it into the playoffs. Um without a win, uh, and that's what he needs. You know, he honestly really probably only has two more tracks before that he has a shot at winning, which would be Daytona in a couple of weeks and uh, then Bristol. Because, um, you know, I feel like he does really well at Bristol. So, yeah, it's uh, those are big for those teams, you know. Um, I've always said, like, those guys kind of have their own uh, battle and low in points because they know they're not going to win a championship. So those teams battle really hard down in the lower – 20s and points or 
yeah, lower 20s in points or high 20s in points. So um, they're battling it out down there. So uh, those guys want to try to get all they can out of their race cars and uh, try to get the best finishes they can. So it was nice to see them run. And uh, so uh, let's see if Busher can make the playoffs. And uh, like you said, go fast. It's a great run for them and good momentum. And uh, I feel like they've done better this year with LaJoy in the car. And LaJoy, he's a good driver. Um, he's just not in the right equipment. So, But, yeah, uh, good day for those guys. And uh, let's see if they can continue it. Yeah, I thought LaJoy did a great job. And another team that really stood out to me, guys, here was Hendrick Motorsports and, and their effort on Sunday night at the Coca-Cola 600. Now, this is a mile-and-a-half racetrack. Majority, it's a, no secret, the majority of the racetracks on the Cup Circuit are mile-and-a-half tracks. And this is a, a track and, and, and a, a type of racetrack that we've seen Hendrick Motorsports really, really struggle on in the past. Well, they were actually pretty good. William Byron took the pole. Ran in the top 10. He fell out of the top 10 for a little bit, but got back in there, finished in ninth. Jimmy Johnson, an eighth-place run. Now, I know when you look at Jimmy Johnson in Charlotte, you look at it and say, well, he's won here like 50 times. So seventh isn't really that good, but or eighth isn't really that good. But uh, it's a decent day for him. It's a step in the right direction. Alex Bowman in seventh as well. And you had Chase Elliott, who I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier. He led some and ended up finishing in the fourth spot. Uh, so all 400 cars finishing in the top 10. Um you know, again, it's not – they still got some work to do, Philip, but I think it's a step in the right direction for a team that's, uh, for the last better part of two years, has been a little bit behind compared to Toyota and, and Ford. Yeah, the I mean, Chase last year and basically his breakout season was able to win on a cookie-cutter track in a different package. But this year and over this last few weeks, Basically, we talked about it months ago where Kansas was going to be that place where we kind of figured out where these teams are and they make some changes. Chase was there. He had a chance to win that race, as, and then as well as Alex Bowman. I had a feeling Alex Bowman would go and follow that trend of first-time winners at the 600. He didn't really have the pace uh, as, as Chase did or even William Byron at times. Jimmy Johnson's eighth-place finish was kind of a, in a lot of ways based on that last restart. As per usual with what the, the season has been, the nine has been that lead dog. You have the 88 behind him next year down, and then you have Jimmy Johnson kind of chasing after that, no pun intended, uh, and then William Byron kind of, you know, getting scraps. Yeah, he qualified on pole at the 600. Good for him, and and he's he knows how to do the one lap thing, but he's not really. I mean, he got a ninth, so in that sense, it's good. But he's still figuring it out. They're still figuring things out. Chad Canals being with a new driver for the first time since 2001 is trying to figure things out too. So. I mean, the, the, they're making progress, though, and the Chevy effort, especially Hendrick-affiliated Chevys, meaning Chris Bushers of the world, the Larsons and Kurt Bushes, they're benefiting from this, up this move up from Hendrick in general, and it should, you know, provide some good opportunities in as we go into some of these little random 
tracks that we're going to be going into these next few weeks. Uh, basically, next couple of months, we're going to be going through a whole laundry list of different types of tracks. So it might allow one or two of these Chevy teams outside of Chase to give themselves a locked-in spot like Chris Busher, you know, as, as Spencer said. I, I also think Pocono, being that he won there, his one career win was there, he's good there. And he's good in a lot of places. So Busher's on the cusp. He needs a win to get in, you know. So I think the Hendrick effort in general is starting to make that move forward, which is a positive for the Bowtie Brigade. Yeah, it really is. It's it's an inter- it was an interesting race for them. I think they, um, again, it's it's still got a lot of work to do. I want to say that you know I think they when you look at what they've done here over the last two years, but it's a step in the right direction. Maybe it's a little bit of a of a you know a result of of Stuart Haas Racing's um, them not being as strong as they were a year ago, and and maybe if Stuart Haas Racing you know finds their way here in the next couple of races, that might be, you know, Hendrick might fall down a little bit because every time somebody falls down, somebody moves up. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that all, all plays out here. Um, a team I was kind of disappointed about Spencer, and I don't know if you noticed it in the grandstands or not, was uh, Richard Childress racing. Austin Dillon had a, uh, a great qualifying lap on Thursday, qualified in the fourth position. Um, he didn't even finish anywhere close to being in one of the stages at all he was a, t- uh, a top 20 car maybe at best he got taken out in that race uh in that big wreck there towards the end at lap 317 but you know he even said on the radio on on tv i don't know if he said on the radio that we didn't have the speed today ty his brother was back there as well they didn't really run that great we didn't see much from daniel hemrick uh, although he got into a wreck um as well but you know and bubba wallace bubba had a association good car, with, though. yeah and, and had an association with that team uh, you know, a 25th place run, but, you know, it just seemed like RCR, I guess I was just expecting a lot from them compare, considering how they ran in the, uh, in the all-star race. They struggled uh, on Sunday. Uh, did you notice that in the grandstands at all, Spencer? I'm going to be honest with you. Before you just said something, I had forgot they were even in the race. Quite honestly, they weren't up front. Daniel Hemrick, <clears throat> Daniel Hemrick had his mishap at the wall or whatever. Um, yeah, like you said, they ran terrible. Um, weren't up front, struggled all race, and he said that's when he just didn't have the speed. So, um, And the All-Star race was a different package, too, so that also mm-hmm. plays into mind. I mean, look, Kyle Larson won the All-Star race, and I, he could barely get himself into the top 15. Um, let's get off that topic for that aggravates me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah, like you said, I they – ran awful and uh you know i thought this was going to be a pretty good year for them and they they've just kind of struggled um like we've mentioned in previous episodes they seem to qualify real well and it just never transitions into the race and they go straight to the back so i don't know there that's another team that has a lot of work to do maybe not a lot but they need to they can definitely get better that's for sure um so yeah i didn't even uh really pay any mind to them being in the race um all i know is they was nowhere near up front yeah, and considering that they've made the playoffs the last two years at three team, uh, and right now Dylan sits 21st in the standings, which you know he's not completely out of it. Uh, he can still make it in on his points standing, but um, you know he's got to pick it up here in the next couple of races if he wants to have any shot at it. Uh, let's look at the points, guys. You know, uh, I feel like right now I was looking at the points before, 
And I feel like everybody 12th on up is locked in via their points. That's Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, Brad Kozlowski, Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, Kurt Busch, Ryan Blaney, Alex Bowman, Clint Boyer, and Eric Amarola. Those guys, I believe, are in. They have a, a big cushion uh, over the 13th place driver on Daniel Suarez, and that's where it gets a little bit hairy. Suarez is okay. He's got a 26 point, uh, a 10 point cushion, excuse me, over Jimmy Johnson, and then uh, and as William Byron, you know, eight points back, Kyle Larson, and five points back. He's the cutoff at 16th. Then you got Eric Jones, two uh, two points back. Ryan Newman, four points back from him. Uh, Stenhouse is two points back. Then Menard, 13 points back. And then Austin Dillon, six points back in 21st. Uh, really, from 13th to 21st, uh, I believe it's anybody's game here in the next, you know, what we have, uh, 13 races here. Uh, in, the, in the second half of this season, a regular season, it's really anybody's game. I guess my question to you here is, Philip, is there anybody – what's the biggest surprise so far for you as far as the point standings are concerned? Um, is there a driver you look at? Is it Larson? I mean, Larson's 16th in the standings. A lot of people thought he was going to be uh, contending for a championship this year. Uh, who do you think? Who do you got as far as the biggest yeah, surprise? Right. It could could it be you know somebody like Kurt Busch who is outperforming most of the Stuart Haas cars after leaving Stuart Haas Racing? Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Philip? Yes, you hit the nail on the head there, Clayton. I, I I saw Kurt and I'm like, that's the one. You know, Kurt Busch. That one car in general has not been. I mean, God love Jamie McMurray. You know, he's a good guy. He's a really nice guy. He gets emotional when he wins, and he's decent at this TV thing and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, they were being held back because now they actually have a champion driver driving this car. Granted, I don't think Matt McCall is that great of a crew chief, but he, Kurt Busch has been able to carry this effort. There's a whole lot of rumors and things going on about the Ganassi effort. There's a whole bunch of things going on with Ganassi between his NASCAR and GT programs, you know, sports car programs and stuff. But Kurt Busch has definitely outperformed his equipment this year. And you could say that about most of the years that he's been in this series since he blew himself out of Penske. Uh, the fact is, if they can get things together and if they can figure things out at that one team, he's a sleeper for this for for the championship. I, I mean, because Kurt's done this, and I he's the kind of guy he's got the smoking hot wife. He want he he go and do the walk off shot, you know. I go and leave it all on the line. I go and win Homestead, walk off, two time champion, call it a day, you know. Like that's and he's got thirty something wins. He's got wins in a lot of the majors, you know. At the end of the day, he could do that. That's a surprise to me, really. The biggest thing, I mean, it's interesting that Blaney, considering how inconsistent he's been, is ninth, but it shows where the kind of competition it is. Uh, I mean, after that, Alex Bowman's top 10. When you consider last year, he was just basically, you know, on that cusp of falling out. He's made that big improvement. Those three second-place finishes have definitely assisted him. It's pretty close between Blaney and through Al Marola from 9 through 12. But if there's one person you want me to say, it's Kurt Busch. 
That's interesting because uh, there is a guy on this list that I want to go with, and I don't know if Spencer's going to go with this guy. But how about you, Spencer? You know, we just t- talked about the points. There's some drivers out there who uh, I-, I think every year we always seem to have a driver or two make the playoffs who we didn't really see to start the year. And we always have a driver or two miss the playoffs that we didn't really see start starting the year. And when we get 12 races, 13 races into the season, we go, well, yeah, duh, they're going to miss this playoffs. No doubt about it. Uh, but is there a driver who you look at? and say, I'm surprised, either good or bad, surprised they are where they are right now at this point of the season? Uh, I'm going to go with Chase Elliott. And uh, I'll tell you why. Hendrick has struggled, and we all know that. I mean, look at the the past two years, and he's sitting third right now. Um, he's been running really well, uh, consistently up front. And, you know, last year he, you know, was a contender for the playoffs. But I think to where he's at now and the way, you know, Bowman's been running good. Um, Johnson's still eh. And then uh, William Byron, you know, he's been running well too. So they're getting their stuff together. And uh, I think he, if they keep getting better or running where they're at now, um, you know, Elliott has a win. Um, you know, they're starting up front. So I really think everything's going in the right direction for them. And for them to be sitting third the way they've ran two years ago is uh, is good for them. Um, so I, I think he's going to definitely give the 18 to 22 and all them guys uh, run for the money for this cup uh, cup for the title. Yeah, I, I think he, he definitely could. His win in Talladega obviously was huge for that. Uh, there's two guys I want to touch on. One is Larson, which we've documented numerous times on this show. It, it's shocking to me that he's still 16th in the standings. He said just such a rough year. And I'm going to go with this guy because – this is my shock, and and when you look at his teammates and how well they performed, I think the best team this season, guys, and uh, you know it's been pretty level I think throughout the year. But, but when you look at how many wins this organization has, Kyle Busch has three wins, Martin Truex Jr. now has three wins, Denny Hamlin has two wins. So if you do the math, that's eight wins through thirteen races. It's pretty good. Uh, and you look, sit there in seventeenth in the standings, and you see Eric Jones down there, and you go. Man, what is going on? Uh, he had a great run at Kansas, finished third. Dover was sixth. So those two – but my issue with Eric Jones is – and it's sort of always been the issue. I'm waiting for him to get consistent. He just – every time he goes through a two- or three-race you know, stretch where he runs really good, he has two or three bad races to, to put him back right, right where he was. And you know, this is now – his third year in the Cup Series, so you're you're sort of waiting on him to take off a little bit, and you know we always uh, look at it and say looming in the background is is Christopher Bell, obviously because you know that's always been something that uh, we'll keep our eye on for the rest of the year. But when you look at what Jones did in Xfinity and in the Truck Series when he was running the Toyota teams. You know, he was tremendous. He was the next big thing. I mean, I had I had somebody who I'm close with tell me that he thought Eric Jones was going to win more races than anybody in history. And I was just like, well, I mean, pump the brakes a bit. But that just gives you an idea of how good he was in the lower divisions. And he comes up here and he's just been eh. 19th in 2017, which you can say, okay, he's a rookie. 15th last year, got his first win out of the way. And I thought when he won that race, at Daytona that he was going to, okay, he got his first win out of the way. He's going to really roll off some consistency. We're going to start to see Eric Jones become the driver everybody expected him to be. 
Well, 13 races into the 2019 season, guys, he sits 17th in the standings, uh, only three top five finishes and five top tens. Again, when you look at him compared to his teammates, it's been a tough year for that 20 car. Uh, and, and I just think when you, you think about the situation he's in, um, it, it's really curious to see why Jones is down there. And, and, and listen, he's the type of driver and he's the type of, of team that the 20 cars type of team. I wouldn't be shocked to see him go off at Pocono this weekend and have a really strong run and then take it and go to uh, Michigan in a, in a couple of weeks and have a really good run and then go to Sonoma. I would be surprised if he runs good at Sonoma, but you know, Chicagoland and Daytona and then Kentucky. And all of a sudden he starts rolling off these top 10 finishes and we see him, you know, six weeks from now. And I go, man, remember when I was complaining about Eric Jones, he's now six or he's now, you know, 11th in points and he's fine. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised by that, but right now he sits 17th in the standings. I just think it's a little bit disappointing year for Eric Jones. Um, you know, that's honestly the way I look at it. I guess you could put Dylan in that, in that ballpark as well. Um, so it, it is interesting. Uh, if you had to make a bet here, Phillip, um, you know, let's, let's take a look. Like I said, I think the top 12 are in. I think we can all agree on that. But really 13th through 21 and if you want to throw somebody else in who's going to win a race, you can do that. I know Busher's in 22nd. I think he's got the best shot at winning a race of anybody back there. But we still have Daytona in July, so that's that's something to keep in mind. Um, I guess my question is, uh, who do you think somebody that's currently out that uh, that I guess who do you think makes the playoffs there? Uh, those those final four spots. Do you think they stay the same? Do you think somebody gets removed? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think that if if there's two parts of that, if do I think somebody from outside of the top 16 at the moment could win and get in? Yes, I think Chris Buescher can. Because the reality is the way he ran at Kansas, the way he ran at Charlotte means you have Kentucky, you have, you have a bunch of these wild card type tracks. Buescher is a former winner at Pocono. He's won on a road course in the Xfinity Series and his Xfinity, I think, the year he won his championship. The reality, and they're a team that has performed well on road courses. So if there is one person that I would say, it would be him. Do I think outside of that, will it stay the same? I mean, Jimmy Johnson hasn't run well enough on a consistent basis for me to believe that, you know, he's going to make it. But it's more likely if it's going to be him or Byron, I think Johnson will make it. Byron doesn't have a top five yet this year, only has three top tens. Uh, Kyle Larson's been wildly inconsistent or been really poor for a a period of time, got up there for a couple of races, wins the all-star race, follows it up and gets demolished in the 600. But Kyle Larson has a knack for at certain racetracks and certain and Michigan's coming up. It's one of his houses and Eric Jones is from there. So, I mean, Eric Jones is on a, he has to prove himself and he has to kind of hold on to his deal over the great Kyle, the great Chris Bell story that we bring up, uh, I think every week. And he hasn't, he hasn't figured it out yet. And in a lot of ways I'll start, I would, I would venture to say Eric Jones in a lot of ways is in the same boat as Joey Logano. And Joey Logano was damaged goods 
year after I don't know how many years he was in the Cup Series. It was four years and then on. But yeah, he was damaged good. They said he, he stunk. He was gone. He had no chance. And Brad Keselowski said, hey, you want to come here and be my teammate? And Roger Penske signed him, and now we see where he's at. I'm, I'm, I venture to say that if Eric Jones is given an opportunity at a decent organization, that he could go and kind of show that talent that he has shown in a truck, in an Xfinity car, in a late model. I don't think that he's able to show his true abilities being the R&D guy at Gibbs. Uh, do I think he'll make it in the end? Yeah, I do. But there, there will be a couple changes by the end of the year. I think I think Byron falls out. I think Busher gets in. And then, you know, there might be a little bit of a movement outside of that. I think Suarez might or might not make this deal because he's a little bit iffy consistency-wise as well. Yeah, and I think that's the thing we got to look at is the consistency with these drivers. Um, and, and you sit there and you say, hey, uh, you know, will these guys be able to get into the playoffs based on their consistency? I mean, uh, there certainly is that wild card race. We talk about Daytona all the time. Uh, I think the road courses have proven to be a, a little bit of a wild card, especially in the Xfinity Series. We saw um, Jeremy Clements a few years ago win an Xfinity Series race and get himself locked into the playoffs on a road course. So um, it can happen, you know, a few miles race that gets, that gets, you know, strung out a little bit. Maybe some random guy can, can pull off a victory. Uh, you never know. So it's something to keep an eye on as well. Uh, here's the topic I want to discuss on. I'm going to give Spencer's opinion on it first, because I want to get the old, the newer fans opinion on it before I get the old school fans, because um, I think this is a topic that we're going to have the old school fan and the new school fan are going to have, different opinions on it. Uh, I don't know if you guys caught it this week, but um, Ryan Newman was at Darlington Raceway this weekend, this week, and he unveiled his throwback, which was awful, by the way, um, for, for, the, for the race for the Southern 500 at Darlington. And he made a statement that was very interesting, got a lot of play on social media, and I want to kind of dive into this a little bit. Um, he said that every racetrack – should have one weekend, should have one race. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting because he was talking obviously about Darlington and that what makes Darlington so special is that it's got one weekend. Uh, there's a ton of racetracks on this schedule that have two races. Uh, Spencer, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think every race track should have one race or do you think there's a few that should have two or do you like the kind of way it is now? Um, what are your thoughts on, on Newman's comments at Darlington? Um, I don't know. I feel, I don't want, you know, so I feel like Darlington is a racetrack, you know, and I don't know if I'm just saying this because I'm so used to it being like this and it hasn't been any other way. Um, you know, I feel like Darlington is the right track to, you know, do one race at, um, you know, with the whole throwback weekend thing, you know, it's one it's one of the biggest four races that we have in our season. Um, I just feel like going there twice would kind of, I don't want to say ruin it, because we go to two, uh, we go to each track, but mostly two times anyways. 
I don't know. I Like I said, I'm probably just saying this because I'm so used to it, but I feel like Darlington is definitely, you know, like I said, with the throwback. Um, honestly, I can't really think of any other racetrack where we need to only have one. You know, you want two Bristol, you want two Martinsville, because those are exciting races, you know. Um, you know, obviously you have the Daytona 500, and then they go back in July. So, I don't know. I think two is, um, I mean, honestly, we have to have two. If not, our season wouldn't be long enough, in my opinion, um, because there's not enough tracks that we race on. You know, we only race on so many racetracks. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, Darlington one is definitely got to keep one, and the other ones I'm fine with two. I mean. Yeah, I think certain tracks can certainly pull it off. I mean, Indianapolis, I mean, I don't think we should go there at all, but on a NASCAR side of things, that's, that's a whole nother thing, um, whole nother debate. But it is interesting. You know, I, I thought about it this way, Philip, because I know you and I have sort of lived in an era where, um, you know, we're so used to, to a lot of racetracks having two weeks, you know, and I think initially I would I'd be opposed to it, but I got to thinking, you know, hey, if we went to Bristol once and then Nashville once, that wouldn't be so bad. If we went to Iowa once and then we went to, you know, Michigan once, that wouldn't be so bad. Uh, so, you know, I think there's some certain tracks. I mean, even Pocono, you and I are going to Pocono this weekend. I think Pocono went, and Dover, even two of our hometown racetracks. That we, I know you and I have a, at least I do have a, a special place in our heart for, and we talked yeah. about the attendance at, at Dover a few weeks back. Uh, I think they would benefit from one weekend because it would be like, oh, well, I don't have to go to Pocono this weekend. I can go next week. I can go next time. Same thing with Dover. Um, I think some of the tracks would benefit from it. So I'm curious on that. But what what's your take on that? Do you think Newman's right that every racetrack should be a, uh, have one race? I mean, it's the guy's an engineer and – and he's a sharp guy. I mean, he has no neck, and he's a pain to pass, but he has a lot of good points. I mean, he has good points at times that he takes a good punch based on a couple weeks ago. The truth, the supply and demand is is there. You have to – we've gotten to a point in this sport where the oversaturation and too many races at – certain crappy tracks are a problem. You don't need two races in Michigan or Kansas. Frankly, you don't need to go to Kentucky. It's a terrible racetrack. Uh, we could, if you want to start me on a, I could go off on a tangent here about all the races we could remove and the short tracks we could go to or a road, an extra road course that we could go to that would actually provide a better overall and more diverse schedule. And, it would probably make for a better overall product. And let's be clear on another thing. This whole 36 race thing only started in 2001. You and I, I mean, mean, saying Clayton and I, when we first started watching, I think for me it was 1992. And I think they had 27 races in 92. And I think they had 28 in 93. uh, And 29 in 94. So the point is they were in the, the the high 20s and then somewhere in that 30, 31 range for a while. So the point is less is more. If there is less of an opportunity, there probably is a better chance that you're going to get more people to show up. They're not going to mess with Bristol, Goins, Lice, or Martinsville, even though they're putting it 
into the dead of winter next year. And like Daytona, they're putting it in the the dead of summer for the the 400. But I mean, I would remove at least one super speedway race because it's a it's a joke and it's kind of a lottery. But then it would screw the smaller teams out of an opportunity. So in that sense, you kind of have to have that. Uh, but I mean, I give him I give him credit for taking that stance. He's he's decent at at Darlington. It's one of those tracks where, and one of the places where you really can't you know R and D. You can't. It's because it's unique, and it's one of a kind. But that's the problem. It's Darlington. You're not going to have that anywhere else unless you let the pavement wear out to the to the nth degree. And the only thing you do is like put penetrant like Indianapolis did. There's no way that you're going to get that kind of racing. But I, I give him credit for that. I, it's a good take, and it has it, it's valid. I mean, there's a lot of people that say a lot of crap these days about NASCAR that are employed by NASCAR or whatever. But at least Newman had a point that I think has some validity, and probably in 2021, if they're serious, they'll they'll go and look at that and go with that. Yeah, you know, that's that was my point to bringing that up. You know, there's been a lot of off-the-cuff things said by drivers in, in and people in the sport that make me scratch my head a little bit. And, uh, you know, this was one that initially when I read it, I was like, ooh, I don't know how I feel about that. But then I, I, I thought about it more, and I went, well, you know, I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing. I listen. I've come out, and you talked about it earlier where, you know, when I was a kid, it was 31, 32 races. You know, I've come out numerous times and said I think this race, this this uh, schedule has way too many races on it. Uh, that's one way to get to, to knock down your chunk of races if you want to is to make sure everyone, everybody get one race. But the thing I think we're missing here, guys, is the business aspect of it. You know – in a way we are, in a way we aren't, because you know a lot of people look at it and say, "Well, I read a comment today, and it was a fair comment. I mean, I don't blame him for the person for saying this. Can these racetracks survive on just one week a year? Well, absolutely. Now, 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 most of these racetracks are owned by major corporations. Uh, NASCAR now yeah. owns ISC, um, and you know SMI's got a, a ton of money, so they can. I think it, it's not like it was thirty years ago. When these tracks were owned by the little guy who looked at for when NASCAR came into the to the to town, and you know they had a weekly racing series there, and NASCAR came into town, and and that's what what their biggest draw was. That's not what it is anymore. Um, so yeah, they can. I think they can survive. I mean, we all know Spencer and I know Daytona can certainly survive one week. I mean, the difference between absolutely um, Daytona Daytona in July and Daytona in February is night and day. I mean, you. It's crazy. Um, so they could certainly survive off their Daytona 500. I mean, Bristol, I think, could survive off the night race. Charlotte, maybe off the 600. And, and they're a little in a different box because of the Roval. I think that's what, you know, they would be sort of an exception to the rule because of that reason. Um, but it was certainly something I thought about when, mm, I mean, as as crazy as some people get, I don't think that's as crazy as, uh, as everybody might, might initially thought it was when they read it. So, so I just wanted to get your guys' opinion on because uh, I thought it would have been interesting to get a, a newer fan's opinion on it and an older fan's opinion on it um, on, on what exactly we saw 
uh, from Ryan Newman and his comments um, this weekend from Darlington Raceway. Okay, uh, real quick, guys, want to want to discuss the Alsco 300 from uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series race from Charlotte. Uh, it was Tyler Reddick, then Justin Allgaier, Jeffrey Earnhardt, Noah Gregson, and Justin Haley in the top five. Uh, drivers passing out in the car, outside these race cars. Very hot day at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Um, but what stood out to you, Philip Matthew, from that Xfinity Series race? I mean, here's Reddick, a guy who a lot of people have had on their radar. Uh, ran really good in the cup race at Kansas. Uh, goes out and wins at Charlotte. Uh, is this kid for real? And is he a – do you think with this win, is he the, the, the type of driver – does this win put him in the conversation as far as uh, being a, a major player for the championship? I know he won it last year, but I'm talking about really dominating a season and, and being a guy that we will be in the playoff in the championship discussion all year long. What are your thoughts on Redick and that win? Oh, it's, I mean, this was, uh, it was a clinic because after Chris Bell uh, eliminated himself, with that blown tire and then Cole Custer and his issues, the reality is the big three in the Xfinity series, it was Tyler Reddick and nobody had anything for him. The Reddick has been on this tour. It's almost like he's got this chip as though it's like, yeah, people think I backed into it. I won Daytona. I had a bad, a lot of, the middle of whatever in between those first and last races wasn't exactly the most spectacular. Then I go out in Homestead and I get a great setup and I win a championship. Now he's on this, I'm going to go and prove myself and I'm going to get myself a cup ride by going and running. Well, he ran well, great at Kansas. Then he goes and wins this race. And I don't think it's going to stop. Uh, he's, he's on a heater right now and, that team and the way the investment they have there and the focus they have on that effort, it's it's bad news for Chris Bell. It's bad news for Cole Custer because I think Tyler Reddick's the kind of guy that could go and, you know, just rip off a bunch of wins and he'll have a lot of bonus points and he, he'll probably put himself in a position where he could get to that, you know, final four with relative ease. Um, I mean, I'll give before I pass it to Spencer. I'll give credit to Jeffrey Earnhardt. He wasn't feeling too well, but he was able to kind of hold the uh, hold serve for Gibbs and get an, a third place finish. He spun out, but he was able to get a third place finish in that IK9 car. And uh, we'll see what he does this weekend. It looks like uh, I mean, he's in the he's in the 18 this weekend again. So maybe he pulls one out like his dad at uh, Pocono and uh, gets a, gets his win first win there, you know, maybe. <laughs> yeah. It'd be interesting. Um, you know, listen, uh, I, I thought Jeffrey had a decent race for sure. Reddick up there, you know, there were some issues there with bell and, uh, and um, uh, Cole Custer. They were very fast too at times in that race. So, um, you know, and, and that's, what you have to do in this, in this series is capitalize on other people's mistakes. Um, Spencer, you were in the grandstands. Uh, were you, uh, did you go to the Xfinity series race two on Saturday? And, and if you did, uh, how hot was it? What did you think of the racing in the Xfinity series on Saturday at Charlotte motor speedway? No, I didn't go to the Xfinity race. I was tired. I needed a break, but, uh, yeah, I thought it was decent. And, uh, you know, um, 
I don't know if you asked me that question because I got turned off or asked Phillip. Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and hit on this real quick. I thought I think Tyler Reddick's going to be a two-time champion back-to-back. Um, you know, RCR's, him and that team's running excellent. Um, and, I mean, week in and week out. Um, honestly, I think he's the odd to win over Bell, in my opinion, just the way he's been running. He's a wheel man, and he's going to get everything out of his race car. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I thought the race – the racing is pretty good. Um, you know, I, I love the Xfinity series race, uh, races, um, you know, not as good as the truck races, but, uh, I like them better than the cup races and I always enjoy watching them and, you know, because they have so much young raw talent. Um, and they're so young, all these kids trying to get into the cup series and, you know, they definitely put on a show and don't get me wrong. There's times where the races are very boring when Kyle Busch are in them, but, uh, other than that, I thought it was a pretty good race. Um, I watched it on TV and um, sat back and relaxed and uh, watched Reddick win for the second time this year. Yeah, and, and something I want to touch on about the Xfinity Series race quick. I wrote about it on, in the frontstretch.com newsletter. Uh, it was an impound race. All the Xfinity Series and Truck Series races are impound races. But you know, I was a little annoyed because when you look at the DNQs of this race, two full-time teams went home. Uh, the uh, 99 team from BJ McLeod Motorsports, they run full-time. And the 90 team from Mario Goslin, they run full-time. And there was about six teams that decided to start in park that made the race in on their times. And this is a race that I, I think, because there was more than 38 teams here, that um, the impound procedure sort of hurt these teams that run full-time. You can't touch these cars. These teams that run the full schedule and run the full races – um, they can't do the same things to their cars that these teams who start and park can put inside their race cars, whether it's different oils to make the engine run faster, lighter parts and certain parts of the race car. So um, I was a little annoyed at that because, you know, start and park teams, I understand that, that most of them are, are out there because they can't make a profit uh, any other way. Um, they're trying to get sponsorship. But, you know, I just felt like this weekend it, it seemed that, the impound procedure made basically made two teams that run full time in the series miss the races because of an impound procedure. So I was a little I was a little uh, perturbed at that, to say the least. Okay, guys, real quick, I only got about five minutes to go on the show, so want to get real pick, quick here. Xfinity Series Racing doubleheader weekend this weekend at Pocono Raceway, Kentucky Triangle. Uh, only I think the third or fourth Xfinity race at Pocono. Uh, it's a rather new phenomenon here for this uh, for this racetrack. Um, what do you, kind of racing do you think we're going to see here, Philip, with with NASCAR's new rule package and everything that goes into that? What kind of racing do you think we're going to see here at Pocono Raceway? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm curious to see what practice brings on Friday uh, because I think there's going to be a different focus in terms of whether, you know, investing in qualifying and because qualifying will be on Saturday, there will there'll be different things going on. I I think they're running the 550 at, at Pocono. So if they're running the 550, I wonder if shifting, how much shifting is going to play, whether there is or isn't. There's a possibility there might be shifting more, which could bring that, you know, the the – attrition because of transmissions and blown engines in a play, which might make things, you know, a little more interesting. 
Uh, I mean, it, it, to me, going there, I love going there. I'm biased that way. It, it doesn't matter whether it's a rain, whether you get rained out or whether there's a race going on. It's just fun to go up there. It just feels like home in a lot of ways for me. And it's my, it, it's kind of like my introduction to summer. I know that Pocono or Dover, it used to be Dover, now it's Pocono. And so, I mean, I'm I'm curious to see. It's going to be, and because they have that huge, that huge thing on the back of the car, the amount of slipstreaming possibilities that are there, it, it could be a pretty good, yeah, I hope it's a pretty good race, honestly, whatever day it takes place. I'm hoping it'll be a good race, but it's going to be slow laps, that's for sure. Sorry there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. It's I was talking to my to a good friend of mine and saying I'm curious to see how the Sackage runs at Pocono because they always go down the front straightaway so fast, you know, where they have to shift. They're not going to have to do that this week. And uh, I'm curious to see how it looks as far as the eye is concerned and how if it slows this race down at all. You know, Pocono is not a, a racetrack where we see a ton of caution flags. It's also uh, a racetrack where I think where if you go to slower speed, like if you're going slower through the tunnel turn, I don't think it's going to really cause that many problems for people. So um, it could be a very long, spread out race uh, with slower cars. Uh, I'm real curious to see how this weekend plays out. Uh, okay, guys, real quick, want to get your picks to win here. Spencer, you first. Um, who do you think in the Cup Series? Give me a, a pick to win here at Pocono Raceway. I'm going to go with Harvick or Bush. Those are my two picks since the package, you know, and all this slower. Uh, it's going to be slower. So those are my two picks. I would assume Kyle Bush, you meant. Uh, how about you, Philip? <laughs> how about you, Philip? Uh, who yeah, do you think? I, I think in terms of uh, Sunday's race or based on what I've right. seen, Monday's race, I'll I'll go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with one of the big three. I'll, I'll go with Kyle Busch. He's uh, he won. He's gotten good at Pocono here recently. I would like to see a replay of 2017 or 26. Yeah, 2017, where Brian Blaney went and drafted past Kyle Busch and won his first race. But that's personal preference. I'm not supposed to do that, but whatever. He needs something. But I think the 18 uh, will win on Sunday or Monday. And, uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking for that race, at least. Yeah, I'm going to go with um, with Martin Truex Jr. again. I just think this guy, uh, it's, it's a hometown racetrack again. But then again, which one's not a hometown racetrack? One of his 74 74 hometown racetracks. Every racetrack is hometown racetrack. But, um, yeah, I just think him and Cole Perner are clicking on all cylinders. I just see it in their eyes. They they, they, they got confidence. Um, I just think this is the 78 team from two years ago. They're back on that track again because they're comfortable in their home now with the 19 car. There's no distraction as far as the team shutting down like we saw a year ago. I think this team is really ready to take off and make a huge run at this championship. Um, so keep an eye on that 78 car 
and Martin Trix Jr. I want to thank everybody for listening tonight to Talking Circles. If you like what you heard, like us on Facebook, like us on Twitter. Uh, you, you can also follow Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan on Twitter as well, as well as myself, Clayton Caldwell. We'll see you next time on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody. <laughs>